forever mine. Are you part of the uh, Pokemon Go craze that's going on these days? You know, we're told that there's millions of people who are doing it all over the world. And if you're not familiar with it, it is, it is this digital game that people can play on their phones or some other portable digital device where they're looking for these Pokemon, these uh, mythical creatures, uh, digital creatures, uh, that exist and have been placed in, in different locations all over the world. And in fact, our, our church sign out here is such a place. If you're playing it, you can, you can find a Pokemon out there. Now, I don't know all about it, and so I asked my 12-year-old what it was about, and he went on for several minutes explaining it, and to be honest, I lost it after the first sentence. So uh, all I know is it's a game about searching. You're searching for these Pokemon, and you've got to find them. You've got to capture them, and you get points or, or something. That's a game, you know, and millions of people are spending a lot of time playing it. It's all about the lost, Well, we're in a, a situation, and it's not a game, where there are, are millions of people who are searching, millions of people really who are lost, lost to God, and therefore lost to eternity. And God wants us to get involved. He wants us to be reaching out to find the lost, because it's not a game. It's a life or death, eternal situation. And so the question for us this morning is, how serious of a player are we in searching for the lost? This summer I have been in preaching on a, a series of messages looking at the parables of Jesus, that is, the life stories that, that he teaches us. And today it's the last message in that series, and it's the parable of the lost coin in which Jesus is teaching us how important it is to search for the lost. Listen to a story from Luke 15. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Searching for the lost. Let me give you a little uh, story, a little insight into one way in which we are doing that and, and others who are helping us. It, it's from our prison ministry, uh, the work that I am doing up at uh, Solano State Prison. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I met a young man. He's about 24 years old. His name is Kyle. He was raised in a Christian house. In fact, his father was a pastor. And uh, he was brought up in the church, brought up you know, with going to Sunday school. He knew the Lord. He knew all his Bible stories. When he got into high school, he got involved with drugs and alcohol, and that turned his life in a different direction, and he started then in a life of crime. Well, he was arrested, and he served some jail time. But then he got out, and though he was resolved not to do that anymore, he once again 
fell into that addiction with alcohol and drugs and more crime. Well, the next time he was arrested, it resulted in a prison sentence, not just some jail time. And he was put in the prison at the Solano, and there the inmates who are working with me in our ministry met him and immediately went after him because they knew they needed to rescue him to get him away from the evil influence that is also in the prison with gangs and other things. And they were able to make a connection with him. They got him involved with uh, our, our ministry's uh, softball team, which, which has the name of Saved by Grace. Pretty cool name for a baseball team, huh? And uh, they worked with him, and, and they brought him back to the Lord. They brought him back where he, he realizes now that he needs to stay with the Lord and with his word. And so now he's doing Bible studies with our men. I share that with you as an example of what Jesus was teaching us about searching for the lost. To look and see where they are and reach out to them. And it starts with this, having a regard for the lost as people who are valuable to God. You know, it's, it's sometimes easy for us as, as uh, human beings to uh, compare ourselves with others and, and to look at people like maybe inmates and say, you know what, that's, that's the low end of society. Uh, those are the people who should be locked up and such and, and kept away, and, and that's it. That they're getting what they deserve. And when we do that, we, we kind of elevate ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not like that. I don't do those things. You see, I'm better. And we seem to ascribe a value to ourself that we think is, is more important than those other souls. Now, it's interesting to note when Jesus told this little story, it was just the second of three stories he told about reaching the lost. Jesus started out by uh, telling a story of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, and, and one of them wandered away. And Jesus said, won't that shepherd leave those 99 to go and find that one? And when he does, he rejoices. He says that's the same way it is when one sheep has been brought back to God. And then Jesus told this story of the woman who lost a coin, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But after that, Jesus told a third parable about that prodigal son. We, we looked at that earlier in summer. And, and about that loving father who was just waiting and, and welcomed that prodigal son back. Now, if you think about all of those situations, it might be easy to do some evaluative uh, judging, right? It would have been easy for that shepherd to say, oh, I lost one. But hey, so what? I have 99. A 99% success rate? That's pretty good. So if I lost one, oh well. Or, or this woman who, who lost a coin, she might say, you know what? It is just too hard to find that little coin in this messy house. It, isn't just, it is just not worth the effort. Forget it. Or, or that father could have said, What? Me? Welcome that kid back after what he did? No way. But that's not, that's not what Jesus was teaching. No, Jesus was teaching that everyone 
is valuable to him. So valuable to God that the price tag was the life of his own son. God gave up his own son to redeem people back. And not just the good people, not just the church people, all people. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to save them. Jesus gave his life up as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of the whole world and reconciled us back to God. That's how valuable people are. The price of his son. And if they're valuable to God, aren't they also valuable to us? We understand how God considers us precious and valuable. We know it. But that's true for all people. The Apostle Paul, when, when he was describing the, the Christian church, he used the illustration of a body. And he said, just like the body is made up of different members, so the whole body of believers is made up of different people. And they are all valuable. Paul went on to say, the hand doesn't say to the eyes, I don't need you. And the eyes don't say to the hand or to the foot, you know, we don't need you. With that, God was teaching us that everybody is valuable to everybody else. And that's how we are to regard people. That's certainly the message I want our inmates to know. You know, I'm dealing with people who, who are in prison because of stealing, because of involvement uh, with drugs and alcohol, with gangs, with violence, with murder. I don't need to tell them how bad they are. They know it. They know it every day because they're in prison. But what they need to know is that God considers them valuable and precious. That Jesus died for them. And they love to hear that they're forgiven and loved by God. You see, that's where reaching out to the lost starts regarding people as valuable to God. But we also need to recognize their situation. They're lost. Lost in the dust, we might say. In Jesus' parable, this woman has ten coins, and she loses one in her house. Now, their houses were not like our houses, you know, so nice and clean, nice hard, shiny floors, or nice vacuumed carpets. No, they had dirt floors. And so when they lost something like a coin, it was probably covered over with all sorts of dirt. Well, I think that dirt stands uh, as kind of a symbol of, of three things for us. First of all, it reminds us of the world. You know, we were created from the dirt of the ground. God created us from the dirt. We are, in other words, we are physical people. And so we have physical needs and physical interests. And sometimes that dirt covers over us. In other words, sometimes we get so concerned and so wrapped up in our physical needs and our physical wants and all the things that we can have that we forget about the spiritual needs that we have. Then sometimes, because we get so caught up 
in that dirt, it leads us to the other dirt that we can call sin. The Bible sometimes uses the illustration of, of being humbled and lowered before God, being in the dust because of our sin. Of course, we're reminded that God also said, from dust you were taken, and from dust you shall return, reminding us of the wages of our sin, the result of our sin, which is, which is death. So we are valuable to God, but we're also lost, all of us. Not just, not just those bad people in prison, but the good people here in church, too. We're all lost because of sin. Yet valuable and redeemed by God through Jesus. Now let me ask you this. How do you view people in the world? Those who are valuable and productive. Maybe those who need to be kept away at a distance. Maybe those who need to be locked up. Do you see everybody as lost? There was a book that was uh, published a few years ago in which uh, the, the writer did a lot of research on, on young Christians and why they're leaving the church. He entitled his book, You Lost Me. It was a study of why young Christians are leaving the church and, and rethinking the Christian faith. Now, sometimes we have a mindset when it comes to young people that, well, this is just what happens. You know, they're just prone to wander. It's a normal part of life. But why? And isn't it maybe dangerous? Well, this guy in his study, in his interview with young people, came up with three different categories or ways to view the young people as they're leaving the Christian church. Now, I'm not expecting you to read all the fine print there. Just You see those, those titles there of nomads, prodigals, and exiles. What he was saying is that with, with the nomads, there are those who are, who are distracted and, and disillusioned and pulled away in other directions, and so they kind of wander away. Then there are the prodigals who, who basically are distancing themselves from the Christian church. They're, they're rejecting the message and, and looking for something else, and, and that's then the exiles as they're trying to assimilate themselves with, with other cultures and other beliefs and philosophies. It's an interesting study that he did, and, and if this is something that God has put on your heart, a concern for our young people, and you'd like to know what can we do as a church about it, why don't you talk to me, and let's, let's put together a group of people and, and study this and see what can we do. Now, my point behind that is simply this. Do we care? Are we really concerned for the lost? In... This parable Jesus told about the woman who had the ten coins and lost one, she was concerned about that one. And the type of coin that, that Jesus used in his illustration was one that was worth a day's wages. Now, maybe that's a lot, or, or maybe it's not, but either way, she was concerned. She wanted that coin. We know the price that God has put on each soul. If it matters to God, they should matter to us to reach out to recover them. And that's what Jesus goes on to instruct us then, how we can recover 
the lost, how we reach out to them. Now, first, we might want to ask, answer the question, of who's to do that reaching out work? As I said a few minutes ago, Jesus told three parables with the same point of winning back the lost. In that first parable of the shepherd with his sheep, we can see a clear picture of Jesus, the good shepherd, who came to find us. In the last parable, about that loving father who was waiting and then welcoming back his prodigal son, we see a beautiful picture of our heavenly father. But what about this woman in, in the second parable? Let me suggest to you that maybe this woman is a symbol for the Holy Spirit. Now, generally, we tend to think of the woman as the person who kind of keeps the house in order and keeps it clean. That's the way it is in my house. It's, it's, it's the mother who's the nurturing one in the home. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, to gather, to clean, and to nurture people. And so maybe Jesus was telling us here that it's God who does the searching but at the same time, he's doing it through us, through people. So maybe this woman in the parable is also a picture for the Christian church. A number of times in the Bible, God used the illustration of a woman to picture the Christian church. Whatever Jesus' point is, it, it, it comes down to this. We are the ones God will use to do his work of regaining the lost. As we look at what this woman was doing, we can learn then what we are to do to reach out to the lost. What did she do? Well, the house was dirty, it was dark, and so she lights a lamp and then starts sweeping. There's a darkness that's in this world, sin and unbelief. There's a darkness that lives inside the souls of people, sin and unbelief. And the light that is needed to dispel it is the light of God's grace. Jesus called himself the light of the world. And the scriptures tell us that God is our light and our salvation. It's God in his grace who has caused the light of his love to shine in our hearts in the person of Jesus Christ. So clearly the light we are to shine is Jesus Christ. And the lamp that holds that light, the scriptures tell us, is God's word. So what we are to do is use God's word to regain the lost, both the law and the gospel. And this woman searched diligently then, sweeping the floor. And so it is, the use of God's word will sweep away our sin and let us see that light of God's love. Now, sometimes people have asked me, uh, Pastor, what's, what's going on in, in the church? We're, we're losing people. And I also remind them, and we're also gaining people too. <laughs> but what's happening to us is happening to churches all over. People are leaving. And so churches are trying to find ways to attract people back, and they come up with all sorts of creative programs and things, which are fine. But it has to start with this, having a concern 
for the lost and wanting to do something about it. Do you know someone who's lost? Somebody who's strained? The second thing is, we have to reach out to them. You know, we have this little phrase now that we use uh, in regard to security in our country. If you see something, say something. Well, that's true for regaining the loss, too. If you see something, if you see someone wandering away, say something to them. Use God's word. You know, programs and, and different things to attract people is fine. But if we don't use God's word, we've settled for something less. And less does not save. Inviting people in to be part of fellowship groups or, or to be in our, uh, our, our group somehow, that, that's all fine. But if they don't know God's word, it doesn't save them. That's got to be our goal, to share God's word with them. The woman in, in Jesus' story was very concerned about that coin. It was precious to her. You know you're precious to God. Remember how good it is that others know that as well. When that happens, Jesus tells us there are some wonderful results. When the lost are found, look what happens. First, they repent. Jesus said, in the same way that this woman found that coin and rejoiced, so there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. That's what God's Spirit does in working through the Word, convicting people of their sin and their need for a Savior, convincing them that Jesus, with his life, with his death, with his resurrection, has redeemed them for eternity, and then bringing them the comfort of God's love and blessing. That's what God wants to see happen, and that's what happens when his word is used. Then he tells us, heaven rejoices. He said, there is great rejoicing in the presence of God and the angels over one sinner that rejoices. God is rejoicing. Yesterday, when I was at the prison and, and, and working with the men, we closed our visit with a devotion, which was a little summary of this message. And I said, do you know that, that God smiles? That you, or rather, I said, do you know that, God, that you make God smile? I thought, why make God smile? And here these guys are wearing blue uniforms, right? In a prison, and they're making God smile? I said, yes, because you've repented of your sins, because you know you need forgiveness and that you have it in Jesus Christ. And that brings a smile to God's face. Not only is there that, that smiling, that rejoicing, but there's an exalting of us that God does. Listen to how the psalmist puts it. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. God not only rejoices, 
but he rewards. He blesses those who come to him. You know, when we talk about the lost, sometimes we can have certain attitudes about them. Maybe spoken out of frustration, I don't know. Maybe it's time for us to do a little attitude check toward the lost. Is our attitude one of, well, tough? They had their chance. They could have listened. They could have believed. Or maybe it's one of, oh, well, it's too bad. But the Bible does say some aren't going to make it. Or when we hear the lost, do we say, you know, it's good when they hear God's word and repent? Or do we take the next step and say, I want to find them? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to read a book entitled, You Lost Me, but rather could hear those stories, You Found Me. God's grace finds. Let's look for the lost. Amen.